This podcast is brought to you by DC Music Publishing. Find out more at dcmusicpublishing.co.uk. Hello, my name's Danny, and welcome to the Behind the Music Business podcast, a little independent music business, music industry podcast uh, that I do. Uh, in conjunction with my music publishing company, DC Music Publishing, uh, where I talk to a whole range of different people in the music business about their careers, about how they got there, about why they got to where they are, and everything in between, their motivations, some top tips, you name it, we cover it. This week's conversation is with account director of the famous company, in Bristol, Matt Allen. It was a really interesting conversation with someone that I'd never met before, both based in Bristol. I'd actually been a guest on his company's podcast talking about music publishing and sync. And so he returned the favour and came on mine to talk about artist development, um, his kind of service industry take on on PR, on artist development, on creating opportunities for artists. I always really like these conversations with people that I've never met before as well. It's a great way of networking, great way of getting to know new people. Um, So I really, really appreciate Matt coming on and chatting to me. So here is my conversation with Matt Allen from The Famous Company. Where do, where do you come into this industry from? Doing a bit of digging, you're a, you're a Cornish boy. I am Cornish, yeah. Um, uh, um, along with my wife as well. My wife's from, yeah. from Newquay. So oh, I'm, I'm from Newquay. I'm from, well, St. Dennis, which is in the, in the clay villages, which are okay. between St. Austin and Newquay. So literally slap by between the north and south coast. So right. 15 minutes from Newquay, 10 minutes from St. Austin. Um, I moved to Bristol in 2010, so I've been here for 11 years. Yeah. Yeah, 12 years this year. Um, For me, Bristol is like my London. When you grow up in Cornwall, London (laughs) is such a long way away. On that train to London, (laughs) it takes so long. And and also, like, even like going home, even going from Bristol to Cornwall, if you get on the wrong train and you have to go through Whirl, Western Supermare, like all those tiny, tiny, tiny little places, which are lovely, by the way, but um, it's just, it's a long way, it's still quite a long way away. From, yeah, yeah. From well, from, from someone who's never been to Cornwall before <gasps> I met my wife, ah, so now okay, I go yeah. yearly. Um, many, many times a year, in fact. We've obviously Uh got children and family down there. And myself and my wife got married down Mm -hmm. in um, Port Scatho. Beautiful. Finally. It was meant to be May of 2020, but Uh, certain things got in the way. 
uh, but we managed to get down there for uh, in in September of this year and actually get it done. So I'm I'm much more accustomed to the place now. Mm, um, yeah, but it, and it, it's it, also it's it's one of those it's it's one of those really strange parts of the country, isn't it? That it's mm. full of people. It's full of creative people. But as you pointed out, it's yeah. it's a long way away from so kind of urban away. hubs. Also, there is a lot of poverty in Cornwall and when you look at Cornwall on the TV you think um, picturesque, beautiful, quaint, quintessentially English but, 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 but fiercely independent, you know, if, if Cornwall could compare itself to anywhere it would be Scotland because it wants to be its own, you know, it thinks it's separated by a bridge but actually that we all know there's the A30 which is obviously <laughs> what what links it to the rest of the country um the motorway stops at exeter and i think that people's people's kind of like belief in what's down there stops at exeter as well maybe even stops at bristol yeah there's lots of like local industry down there and obviously boardmasters is huge 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 for cornwall and it brings huge acts to cornwall the eden sessions bring huge acts to cornwall yeah, yeah. but in terms yeah. of like you know there have been i remember when i was like much younger. Um, Alex Parks, the girl, um, she was from St Agnes, I think. She did Fame Academy on the season that no one watched. Right. Um, and she went on to not really do a lot as a result of winning that show. Molly Hocking from The Voice, I think it was the year before last. But people that people come from Cornwall and they get national recognition, but because we're so far away, push someone through in, in contemporary times, push someone through from the county that's gone on to just be like a real like trailblazer. Um, like we're just we're just not doing that really, yeah. um, which which is frustrating. You know, we've got Poldark and and all those other things that that, that get made in Cornwall and and you know they're very popular, but in terms of the music scene, it's a I think it's like a bubble type scene it's like very it, it, it's big for Cornwall but it's small for the rest of the UK were you were you involved in music and kind of the creative scene when you were down yeah um yeah uh so I um did quite a few club nights um and was involved in that and some really great clubs actually mm -hmm. um I ran a dance performing arts business for three years um I was working um, as well, managing in exchange for sort of use of a space that was a community building that was, you know, dilapidated and, and had been let go. And I really helped build that up. Um, but, you know, we had dance activities going on there. Um, we created a small recording studio. The vocal booth was in a toilet <laughs> um, that had been converted. So, yeah, um, it was all, all great acoustics, all very, very, very Cornish and all very much like. DIY type stuff mm -hmm. um, but definitely like I made loads of mistakes in Cornwall because I didn't have anyone to mentor me and and guide me and show me that that's not how to do things okay so I think it's quite a good place to cut your teeth and make the, your mistakes early so that then as you go on and you start to get more professional in what you're doing that you then don't make those mistakes because you knew yeah. that they were a mistake already so yeah so i that i would never i'm very proudly cornish and i talk about it on all my social media so there's no way that i would ever kind of like diss coming from cornwall i think that it's a really great place to come from and it's somewhere where you can be different and stand out for being different. Whereas now I live in Bristol and 
it's so independent and everyone is so independent that sometimes <laughs> it can be harder to stand out here yeah. um, because everyone stands out for their own thing here. But I clearly love it because 12 years later, I'm still here. I think Brist- Bristol's, one of the reasons why I love Bristol so much um, after living in London for a better part of a decade is A, it's not as massive as mm. London, but also mm. the reason that you just said it, it's kind of got its own culture it's got its own identity to it yeah which is quintessentially yeah. Bristol and it's the same with I, I spend quite a lot of time in Manchester as well and I get yeah. the same sort of vibe from Manchester but it's different yeah. it's not you know it's Literally its own different. thing um you mentioned um, you mentioned very quickly you mentioned making mistakes what mistakes yeah. did you make oh what mistakes did I make <laughs> um not having a P&L <laughs> right so very oh, businessy mistakes Business mistakes, um, putting putting my eggs into the wrong basket, working on projects that didn't have a guaranteed um, ROI, um, believing in p- putting people's talent in front of um, no put no I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna take that back putting what I liked in front of what was um, a good project to 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 work on. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, trying to be like trusting my heart, but not listening to my head. And that, right. that you know, we, we all make those mistakes. Um, and, you know, even when I came to Bristol and I'm sure, you know, we're going to get onto talking about this, but like gone are the days where, where, where companies are needed to develop artists. Artists can develop themselves now using the tools that are out there and companies like the famous company to yeah. help do that. And there's no money in artist development and there's a lot of bad artist development that goes on as well. And that then gives artist development a bad name. So um, we've really moved away from artist development now and that's where we've kind of found our sweet spot. And that's where the revenue generation is because you're able to um, work with lots more people on sort of shorter term projects where there's a beginning a middle and an end and then maybe a renewal or a part b or whatever you're not just kind um, of involved like a machine for as, for as long running. as it takes for something yeah. to actually happen yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly um, and i think in cornwall i would there were just two and and also when i moved to bristol to start off with because i just almost like transferred what i was doing over to the the, the big city um <laughs> and and i feel like it took me a little while to work out that that was not the business model that was going to be around in a decade's time and that and that that needed to change um and you know i'm pleased that i made the mistakes because it it made me very quickly grow up and realize that actually um you know you've got to you you've got to be able to make it all work financially to have any longevity um and you know and you you you, it's, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to come across like I'm all about profit, but you definitely have to consider um, that profit is important if you want to continue doing it. Right. And I think that there's that there, there, there's a lot of people that you know. I've spoken to so many people that have had the same experiences as me. They backed the wrong horse, or they they put their heart before their head, and um, ultimately, or they work with a bit of a dickhead artist that ended up taking them for a ride. Not all artists are dickheads. Put that out there. But, but, in much the same way that not uh, all business people are dickheads as well. 
I'm not all business people think about profits and, and I would love to, you but know. No, but I think you, you've, I, I found the balance finally. You, you've, made, you've made a really interesting point there. And it's something that I talk to a lot of kind of upcoming artists and students about, especially ones that are really ingrained in the, in the art side mm. of what they're doing. Mm. It's like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to compromise for anyone. I don't want a record label involved. I don't want to get anybody involved to tell me how I'm creating my art. And you mm. kind of go, I that that's that's great, but also, if your art doesn't make you any money, you can't make the art anymore, or rather, no. if you can't generate some. So it's not a mm. it's not a dirty word to talk about profitability and yeah. return on investment and things like that, because by thinking about those things, you're then mm. able to continue to be an artist. Of course. Um, and the other thing, just on that as well, is that, you know, there is an aversion to labels and it's like, it, it's a bit of, you know, it's a bit infectious actually. And I think sometimes like venues and education establishments and online forums can breed negativity about labels. But I also don't think that labels do themselves just, they, they don't do themselves many favors sometimes deals aren't aren't weighted in favor of the artist and um you know there have been so many horror stories that you know artists have have, have been mistreated or or maybe they just need a better lawyer um but you know they've ended up in situations that haven't been good for them there is such value to label involvement whether that's from on a major end of the spectrum or whether it's on the independent end of the spectrum no one can do everything you know when I I drum listen to artists that I mentor you know to be a songwriter is one thing to be a songwriter with a cracking voice is a totally different thing but to then be able to manage your own career and make you know good decisions and be able to have you know a visual direction which is going to really kind of put you out there and, and and make you look appealing and to understand marketing strategies no one expects you to be able to do all of those things because no one is superhuman mm-hmm. you know no no one can do everything and that is where i believe that there is still a need for either great man a great manager to work with or a label that can step in and just cover the areas that you're you, that you are the weakest at allowing you to focus on the art but i think people that enter the arena say i don't want to sign with a label okay but ultimately unless you're able to do everything that then you're not going to be a strong offering and there are stronger offerings out there um because they they have relinquished a little bit of the control does that oh, make sense oh yeah 100 percent And you also earlier on mentioned that there's so many different ways that artists Mm. can work with the business side of the industry now. It's not as it's not as kind of cut and dry black and white as it was, you know, when I was in bands in the late nineties where it's just like, right, Mm. our our job is to get in front of a label. That was what we had to do because we had to find someone that could make could put us in a studio could make a record yeah. could then distribute that record and then can put us out on tour so it was just yeah. about playing showcases trying to hope that there was label A&Rs and scouts there to then get onto the next yeah. one and get on the next one whereas now yeah. you know companies like yourselves and and other businesses you can kind of pick and choose and different 100%. people need different things 
different yeah. artists yeah. are good at, you know, one of the reasons why I'm doing the publishing side of things is saying, mm. hey, if, if you're good at the publishing stuff, you crack on and do it. But if you're not, I can provide, yeah. I could help. I can provide a service. I can be 100%. part of the team. And yeah, yeah so I'm 100% with you and where, where your ethos is coming from there. Because I, I think every artist's story is different and every artist's journey is different. Now, of course, you know, there are some, you know, there are some scenarios that crop up again and again and again for everyone and they affect they affect people in slightly different ways, but really the outcome is, the advice is generally always gonna be the same for that scenario. However, like we're, everything is just so constantly evolving, you know, whereas, whereas before, you know, the, we we accepted the fact that streaming delivers minimal revenue so therefore that's why live is so important and getting in front of audiences and you know using that to then push merch and whatever but then live got taken away from us so then um the more kind of virtual stuff came along and, and obviously now we're talking about metaverses and what have you and and 10 years ago i mean we wouldn't even 10 years ago facebook wasn't even as popular as it you know as it was but it's not now so yeah. i think like Obviously, as labels are slightly changing their approaches and as companies like Famous are becoming so much more important to an artist's career, as fantastic new you know, supervisors like yourself start making themselves more available, it's not an old boys club anymore, is it? It's, it is all about networking, so important, but it is about embracing new technology and embracing new ideas, but also being humble um, to the fact that like when I was, so I wanted to go to drama school um, when I left, um, when I left secondary education, mm -hmm. my parents coming from Cornwall, like people just didn't do that really. And they weren't overly supportive to that. Right. And that's why I have just been, you know, so determined to ensure that at, at one point, you know, this was like my, my kind of like stock lines of, of, of selling it. But I believe that everyone should be able to access create the creative industries no matter where they came from mm -hmm. having come from cornwall and not being able to access the bits that i wanted i guess i had a bit of a chip on my shoulder now i because the internet you know the internet is a blessing and a curse right talking about advancements and and what have you um without the internet i don't know how people i don't know how artists would reach audiences now because we're so used to using the internet for that and however, the internet has, for all of its negativity and its trolling and, you know, and, and giving everyone, even if they don't, you know, deserve it or, or they, you know, should have it, they giving everyone a voice, whether it's for good or bad reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but it's given everyone a platform to get their work out there, whereas before they wouldn't have had that platform. It would have been that, you know, yeah. old fashioned kind of, grit determination touring um you know i would love to have been an artist manager in the 90s going into the noughties because oh. i feel like that like the the achievement the sense of accomplishment Gosh. can you imagine um <laughs> it would have been it would have been amazing however it would have been so much harder because you wouldn't have had the reach that artists now have but because it was, such, it was much more of a funnel Back, yeah. back in the 90s it was literally it like you had to get on you had to get on a very specific train 
in the yeah. 90, in the nineties and before that, and it's like right, this is this is your trajectory. You need to find this person, and this person opens this door, and then once you've yeah. gone through that door, then you need to find the person who's got the the key to the next door because yes. and there was just gatekeeper after gatekeeper after gatekeeper like an escape room, yeah, like exactly, an yeah, like some kind of weird, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, horrible horror film, but yeah, but now you've got kind of freedom and autonomy for yeah. everybody to do everything and i love that yeah. but i also and again this is something else that i say pretty much on a weekly basis is that uh -huh. just because you can doesn't mean that you should and you've always yeah. got to remember that that the yeah. first line of you know the tastemaker the gatekeeper now is the person who's creating the content and you've as a as a content creator you've got to be so strict with yourself to really think is this good enough to be put out there because I can yeah. but you know there's 60,000 songs that get put on Spotify on a daily basis yeah. if you want to be if you want to get any traction your stuff's got to be mm. really good you know companies from a publishing perspective I love the guys up in up in Liverpool at Centric Music and mm. the guys at Song Trust and stuff like that I, I'm I love the fact that there's this this service industry giving mm songwriters an opportunity to to get gain access to the system yeah but they're still managing it for themselves and a lot of artists don't realize that they think oh i've got a publishing yeah. deal now because i'm working with centric it's like well no you've got access to the system but you've still yeah. got to do it for yourself because centric yeah. work with hundreds of thousands of songwriters and do you think do you, they can even you... they can't they can't pick up the phone to every single one of them and work no. with them all individually so you still got to do it for yourself do you think that that needs to be better communicated to artists in a little bit more of a of a of a simpler way in the way that you have just explained it? I mean, obviously, you know, if it, like we're and I'm not not saying that not calling anyone out or not saying it, mm -hmm. but who is saying it? Because I, no one is, are they? You I know, think, like I think the noise around it is is increasing, as you pointed out. You know, you you there's so many ways of getting information out there now and actually i think artists are so much better educated now than they ever were you're not going into it completely blind you're not you know someone slaps a record deal in front of you and you just sign it and you just sign your life away that doesn't really happen all that much anymore there's you know there's there's courses at higher education at diploma level there's so many opportunities to to learn that stuff but i mean fundamentally it's kind of common sense really it's kind of yeah. look yeah. you know you've got to look at this and a lot of you know working with with young people as much as i do is that you do tend to ignore that you get all you get too focused on i'm going to put out my ep and then i'm going to put out my album and i'm going to do this i'm going to do this and i'm going to do this you don't actually look at well where is it going how are people going to find that and yeah. The, the artists that do well are the ones, in my in my uh, opinion, in my experience, are the ones that actually take a step back from it all and go, I can do this, but I'm going to mm -hmm. look that little bit deeper into how it all works. And I'm yeah. going to, you know, there are blogs, there are websites, there are podcasts, there are, yeah. you name it, there's, there's stuff out there. And the bands that do and the artists that do well do find that stuff because it is discoverable now. 
I think, yeah, like any, like when I'm, when I'm, when I, I'm not Mr. DIY, as you can probably tell, um, but when I need to do something around the house, I ask Google how, like, how yeah. to do it. Watch a YouTube um, video. And, <laughs> watch a YouTube video. And like, that's, that is how to do everything now. And yeah, I guess, you know, you're totally right. If um, you have a question about the music industry, well, you just need to type it into Google and the likelihood is that you're going to find the right answer. I do think like there are lots of i've talked to lots of artists that are still very excitable which is amazing and a little starry eyes and they want to get something out there as quickly as possible and you know this will really be printed on my gravestone what's the point in releasing great music if nobody's going to listen to it yeah. and the more music that you make the better because it then means that you've got more to choose from when you end up releasing but you know some strategies, I don't know where the hell they come from, but you know, I have sometimes artists say to me, I release a new song every four weeks. Well, that's great. It's great that you're making that much music, but you can't do a lot in four weeks to get it out there really before you release the next song. Um, but that, so, so then you've got more and more and more songs online that look like they're not doing anything. Um, and then the perception that that is then creating of your, 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 your online present gives people a perception of where you're at in your career well if you've got a dozen songs there and all of them have got under a thousand streams and you've got no monthly listeners well that demonstrates to me that you've got no fan base and that you haven't got a clue what you're doing whereas if you had a quarter of the number of songs and all of them had some traction um, and you were on some playlists because you put more time into the promotion of three that to me is much more appealing as a booker as a you know uh, yeah. as an agent that, that to me shows that you've got to get a bit more of a game plan. Um, but I'd say, do you have any more music? Like how, you know, how, how long a set can you do? Yeah. Um, so it's a tricky, think... it's, it's, it's a tricky balancing act. Cause on top of all that, one of the things that as a new, especially a new artist is that you want people to be able to find stuff. If you mm. haven't got, if you've got one song online, and you're shouting about it and they go, oh, I've listened to that one song. Where's, I, I want to listen to more of it now. Yeah, and yeah, if you've yeah. then got to wait yeah. six months for, for the next one to come out, chances are that no. person's found something else and is listening to something different or is watching something on Netflix or yeah. is doing yeah. a whole host of other things. So you've got to find yeah. that weird balance yeah. in the middle. Um, I, I think, sorry, just, just to right. kind of conclude that, like we were saying before, like there used to be a formula and there used to be like a recipe to follow, didn't there? And like you open a door and it leads to another door and blah, blah, blah. That's not there anymore. I believe that every artist is in their own lane. And I also believe that what works for one artist doesn't necessarily work for the next. So I don't think that you should ever feel like if someone's doing something a certain way and you, as long as I say to artists, you know, artists that, that, that don't want to use Facebook, and I and and rather than just saying, well, no one uses it, that to me is a cop out answer. But if you can justify why you're doing something a certain way, then that's completely fine, and I won't ever challenge it. But you've got to be able to justify why you're going to do it like that. Mm -hmm. And even though it might not work, like I said about you know things that I've done before not working and learning from mistakes, making mistakes are, is good. Oh yeah, well, you learn from them um, and justifying. Um, just, just, you know, just, just to justify that, the reason why I think an artist should continue to use Facebook as 
as an example, is that um, I get all my events from Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook and a, a promoter can't tag you or yeah. a venue can't tag you, so you're almost losing out on potential new fans because no one can access you via that event. Mm. So that is how I justify keeping up your Facebook. Although I don't think it's a great platform for musicians now, um, but, I, but that's why I justify using it. Just FYI. You, you came to you came to Bristol in 2010, uh-huh. and you came here and literally set up your company when you got here. So was that was that always the plan? It was like, right, I'm going to go to Bristol to start a company and do this, or no, did you kind of come here and then it was a little bit more organic and natural? How did it all how did it all happen? I, so I came here working with an artist, and 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 unfortunately had my fingers burnt, and you put money into a project that just wasn't. Was that didn't reach the potential that it could have reached, which is which is frustrating. Right. Which is why I now don't really look at doing any development or management at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it took a while to find its feet here. Um, I recruited for some sort of more band-related projects and did it more of like sort of short, well, not short term, like one year artist development type things that but that, that, that was char- that were chargeable. Um, and it took me a while. It, it, it took me probably until maybe 2014, going to 2015, to really realize that the future was doing more service-based stuff. Right. Um, and recognizing that everyone that we work with is is on is on a different path. And um, there's a lot of cookie cutting that goes on, you know, whereas like one, one size fits all type stuff and we wanted to change that up um and that's when we became more of a services agency mm-hmm. and we saw you know there were companies like absolute that were absolutely great at it companies like awol um who are great but they're very mass market and um them obviously much bigger than us and like we wanted to offer something that was a little bit more bespoke, a little bit more boutique, mm-hmm. a little bit more customizable. Um, and so that's why we kind of turned that corner then into the, into like the service provision side of it. Um, we turned our artist development more into mentoring and um, sort of allowed the mentoring to be done on a, on an as and when needed basis. And then that meant that, people could spread out their mentoring or you know they could do it whenever they could afford it rather than having to commit to you know a, like a doing it on a set program mm-hmm. um and we really just tried to like offer something to the industry which which was different to what other companies were offering i was going to um, i was going to ask about you know where where do you kind of sit within the service industries because you you don't offer digital distribution no but you you do offer certain services. So as I said, you're not you're not a like for like competitor to someone like an AWOL. No. You kind of bolt in to the we side in. to it. We we it. have clients, we have artists that are with us that are with AWOL, yeah. but they come to us for other things. And I'm cool about that, and that's great. Um I think as a company you know, the ironic thing is that we're called the famous company, but we're not here to make people famous. And the company in itself certainly is not famous. It's 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 so ironic, really. <laughs> um, but 
I think that we probably are one of the more accessible companies for an art for an artist or for or for a manager or you know we work with a number of indie labels that outsource certain bits that they don't want to do in house, um, and I think some of the other companies they like they either are hands off but they've got real street cred and it looks great for them that so many artists rave about them maybe a wall are like that so they're quite hands off in the in the day-to-day -day, really unless you're on their very like we love you roster it's a, I mean, a, a wall's a weird one now that it's part of sony or whether mm. it will or, or it won't mm. because obviously now it's part of the major ecosystem yeah. that, it, that it's in but yeah yeah you're exactly that right that the, the AWOL were kind of two different companies in one they were they were the company that you could you could kind of sign up to but they yeah. were also the company that worked with Tom Mish and Rex Orange yeah. County and Laura yeah. Marlin and a lot of those acts on kind of an album by album basis so um now as soon as the Sony acquisition was mooted I thought that that was completely going against the ethos of independence and what have you, because Just Sony a little bit. <laughs> are a major label. And the whole point about independence is doing it without the need of a major label, because I think that, as I said before, labels haven't always given themselves a great rep. And, um, and there, there are now lots of people that would rather not be with the label at all then have to compromise and be with the label mm -hmm. so able i've got a fantastic name and if you're an artist it's really good on your epk to say that you are that you work with able i yeah. think that there's nothing negative about it however everyone that applies to us um for to work with us in a service capacity has an initial free consultation we take the time sometimes it's 15 minutes sometimes it's half an hour now we're not getting thousands of applications a week to work with us, but we're not trying to be a company to be acquired by Sony. We are wanting to just provide great services mm -hmm. and create great case studies and um, and allow us to flex our you know muscle and our and our and our contacts for as many people as we can, as many people as we we realistically can. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know we are always about growth and we want to. We want to make sure you know we've taken an absolute battering during the coronavirus as every music company has in mm -hmm. every creative every business has taken a battering yeah. unless you sell ppe you've taken a battering <laughs> um so we ultimately we I, I i don't want to make bold statements that, that are going to piss people off but ultimately i think as a company we're so approachable right. and we really care and we only take on projects that we think that we can add value to. Um, if an artist is on the ladder, it, our job is to get them a little bit further up that ladder. It's not to take them to the top. That's not what we do. Right. But if we can add value by increasing their reach or overhauling their creative assets or you know, helping them make some tough decisions about direction and what have you, mm -hmm. then as long as we've made an impact in some way, then we have done our job right yeah, yeah. um and and i when i do the initial consultation calls i always set that set out my stall quite early on we're not a label we're not going to invest in you we're not a management company we're not here to run your career for you but we are here to help you fill in the blanks and we're here to help you with the things that you are struggling with right now mm -hmm. um and i think it's important for all companies like ours 
to take a similar approach because the word manager is quite a dirty word, I think. I think artists lean on managers too much sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a huge expectation on a manager to literally be a game changer for an artist. And sometimes it's more like a caretaker manager. It's over just over just overseeing things, just keeping keeping the ship going forward, you know, and and, and keeping it steady. That to me is also a good outcome for a manager. Like they don't have to be finding the next X and yeah. breaking time you know and I think that you know I so personally I would rather have a beginning a middle and an end to every project that we work on um, and not have this overhang of you know like a long-term type relationship with okay with an artist because that I think is dangerous territory in the times that we're now living in in this DIY time in this truly dependent time I think that that type of relationship is dated but also a little bit dangerous You mentioned artists apply. Is mm. that something that you you've always done it that way, or has the company kind of have you kind of tweaked and evolved it, and you kind of thought, you know what, this is this is the best way it works. That artists get get in touch with us, and then we have this initial consultation, and then we can find out a how we can help, and b how we can make money from them, or or was it was it something different to begin with? So we used to scout people, right? Scout in inverted commas <laughs> people, um, and that really uh, at times that got artists' backs up because we are a company that charge for our services, and yet we're going out and we're scouting people. And I totally get that. I totally get that. And that just didn't make for good vibes for us with artists. So the reason why we use the word apply is that. If you are doing everything yourself and you are absolutely bossing it across the board, you don't need to work with us. But the only way that we're going to know that is by you making an inquiry or making an application for, you know, for our services. Yeah. Um, so that's why we use the connotation of applying. Um, however, if you have absolutely nothing at all, if you've got no assets, if you've got no music, if you've got, if you've got no social media, then we as long as you have some budget to put into your project then we can absolutely help you um so so the so, but but we want to work with people at different ends of that spectrum right so rather than signing up which might for some artists feel a bit beneath them this application to work with us and take advantage of our service offering mm -hmm. um we found that 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 language that terminology was was a more appropriate fit um we don't do any scouting now at all um and all of our all of our businesses is inbound um we don't do any and also i hate networking i hate <laughs> taking my out and going to meet people even though i'm just been a hypocrite because earlier in this conversation i said networking is so important well no but it, it is. is it is and i'm one I, I I am, <laughs> i'm 100 with you why do you think i do this hmm. i am yeah. so much more comfortable and i get i was talking to people about this yesterday I when, when I'm sending out whether it's cold emails or whatever in certain circumstances you know the the, the success rate the hit rate that you get on it is you're in that kind of five ten percent range yeah. which is yeah. which is a good range 
when yeah. I'm getting in touch with people either that I have met or that I've met through people or that I've literally never met before in my life and I'm getting in touch with them for the first time because I want to talk to them on this, my hit rate is 50%. Of course. And yeah. Because for the most part, it's, huh, okay, this is different. Yeah. And there's no pretext. It's not like I'm trying to sell anybody anything. It's just like, I yeah. just want to, I want to kind of, okay, weirdly record it, but I just want to kind of chat and build up a little bit of trust and a bit of, bit of rapport and then maybe so further down that, the line we can do something together but at the moment it's literally yeah. it's literally just networking so, so i call this a brand activation i'm activating my brand today with you nice. and you very kindly did a did a podcast for us and you activated the dc publishing brand and that to me is perfect I know you're there and when I need you, I'm now aware of you. And that I think is the best way to do things. It's exactly. about getting getting in front of wider audiences, activating your brand with them. Every time someone applies to our website, they then come into our world. They go onto our mailing list. Um, you know, they, they have an initial response email from us. And, um, you know, they, they, they are in our world. Whether we do business with them today, next year, or in five years time, it's it's, it's not important. Yeah. Actually, our accountant would say- I was gonna say, it is a little bit important. <laughs> it is important, but, but the fact- Especially but for the those fact P&Ls that, it, that are so important. Oh, I know, don't even go there. It's the end of the financial year next week as well. I'm not looking forward to that. Um, but um, ultimately, they're in our world. We activated our brand with them and something made them want to send that application. Someone, something made them want to sign up on the website. And that for me is good enough, however, we do need to make some cash out of them at some yes. point. Are there any so in the in the last you know five six years that the mm. famous music the famous company sorry um, has has been operating? Are there any like standout projects that you've worked on? Because you mentioned yeah, you kind are. of have a have a range. You've got really really green artists, and then you've got artists that have kind of that are there or thereabouts, but they just need a bit of help. So I mean, are there a few that you can shout about a little bit? Yeah, well, there's a couple that I feel like quite personally proud of, and I'll talk about those. Um, I believe that it's not about getting a record deal, it's about getting further ahead, yeah. right? And it's, but I also, I love strategizing and I love problem solving and um, sometimes solving a problem that is quite complicated, but then actually the, it's the solution ends up being quite simple um, and that was has changed someone's life. Um, I got asked to make a pilot for a um, new TV channel that ended up in the end. Not, it didn't get played, it didn't get shown. It was, it was, um, uh, the winner won a publishing contract with, um, I, it's not, it wasn't Notting Hill. I can't remember who it was with, but it's basically at the time it was Ed Sheeran's publisher and, and she was an artist that I had worked with, um, for a little while. And that was a real kind of like, big win for her and she got to write on some pretty cool records um and I think she bought her pair she she bought a house for her parents and that kind of demonstrates to you what that did over the course of many years for her mm -hmm. and that was something that we facilitated for her so she didn't get a record deal and she was originally wanting to be an artist but now she is a songwriter, She's a songwriter yeah. so that that to me through our advice and our support for her it turned some corners and even though the tv show didn't air she still won she still won you know that publishing contract so your won. your 
the project with her kind of started via the TV show, but kind of no, moved and blossomed into something beyond that? Project with, her, project with her started before. So someone dropped out the TV show and we were asked to put someone forward for it. Okay. Um, but it, it, it was actually, she was the winner, even though I was on there as a mentor, the winner was decided by the publishing company. Right. So didn't have any, we didn't have any input on that at all, um, just for the record. Um, <laughs> So, but, but but that was great because she had stars in her eyes of being an artist and she never really considered that a writing was or, or, or that writing for other people was something that she would a, enjoy doing and because she would be the center of attention or be the artist but b that she was actually any good at and then when she got that incredible feedback i think it was a it was a it was a game-changing experience for her well clearly it was yeah, yeah, yeah. um so name? that's that, her name is Jessica Alice, okay. but I don't know whether that's the name that she writes under, but but that was her artist name, Jessica Alice. Um, we got approached by a um, platinum-selling um, singer-songwriter who um, basically made a, made a, 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 a video went viral um, crying and she was calling the BBC and Bauer Media, all the names under the sun, because they wouldn't playlist her track. And she got herself into a little bit of a, a, a PR pickle. Right. Um, and come to us and um, and asked if there's anything that we could do for her to help move that along. Okay. She's actually suffering with postnatal pre and postnatal depression, right. um, and that obviously is something which is very serious. Yeah. But when it starts to impact on your career as well as your mental health, um, the, the, the the you know the 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 connotation or the the outcome could be quite damaging. Um, so we actually um, connected her with a postnatal depression charity. She wrote a single about postnatal depression. Um, it was supported by ITV. Um, we got her national print media coverage um, and it helped build, it helped repair the relationship with the BBC and Bauer Media. So that artist is Sandy Tom, who's famous for, yeah. I wish it was a punk. Um, also at the time of her releasing that remixes of tracks and the and the and the club charts that publishing music we like I don't think they were a thing or 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 that her label just didn't do it. So we also got a, a, a um we got a remix of the track done and, and then she got a that charted in, in the club charts as well. So it gave on um, I think that was on the either tenth or fifteenth anniversary of the track. Um so that just kind of gave it a bit of a reboot for her. Cool. Um, she did a venue tour in Scotland, a sold out venue tour um, as a result of just being back in the public eye, but in a really positive way. Whereas obviously previously she'd been in the public eye. The last time she was in the public eye was definitely not in a positive way. And yeah. um, and the video was, it, it was, it, it's quite upsetting to watch, but I think that as a, that, that as a, like a, a case study to show how not to use online media should definitely be utilized mm -hmm. um, because it was incredibly damaging to her at one point. Um, and we, we came up with a strategy to help turn that corner for her. And again, you know, that, that didn't lead on to her selling, you know, millions of records, but it definitely um, damaged imitation. And like I said, I love doing damaged imitation projects for artists really. <laughs> like that's that's great as long as it's not myself what i'm doing the damage imitation for i enjoy it sometimes it's um, yeah um it's it's, it's easier to manage other people's damage damage limitation than it is to manage your own oh always it's it's so much easier giving other people advice and yeah, then when yeah. you suddenly realize that that advice that you're giving other people you should be doing exactly that you think, nah, nah, nah. yeah do you kind of put yourself loosely 
in in kind of mostly in the world of PR and promo and um, that sort of, again, and that, I mean that in a in a very positive way, the kind of that loosely, because ra- rather than as we've said, you know, label services and things like that, that you're kind of working strategically on getting someone from here up to here. So I think, I mean, so like my day job is to strategize for artists or, you know, and part of that strategy will be, there'll be a PR element to it, but ultimately, you know, making sure that they're working with the right producer, making sure that the visual is strong, making sure that it, the story makes sense, et cetera, et cetera. So on a day to day, that is what I do. However, what I get a real kick out of though, is getting coverage and seeing, you know, seeing things go out there and 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 and, and artists growing mm-hmm. away from you but but that's quite transferable so during um lockdown yes one two and three <laughs> um uh obviously we were we'd slowed down as like everyone did um and um a friend of mine is a barber but he obviously was relaunching after lockdown and wanted to kind of come back with a bit of a bang mm-hmm. so i consulted with him on on becoming gender neutral um but doing it in a in a you know quite in a way that didn't put off any customers that maybe were going to him because it was a bit of a a man cave type barbershop yep. but then also it opened up to a wider clientele cool. um and that went on to sort of get some critical acclaim um, within the sort of hair, hair and, and barbering industry. We did a gender neutral collection that was picked up by female and male focus magazine simultaneously. Nice. So we had short haired females in a male magazine, long haired males with hairy chests in a female magazine, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it was done very sensitively, delicately, and um, something that I spearheaded and set up. So that is away from music, but it still required strategy. It still required being a bit ballsy. Um, Yes, it's underpinned by PR, but I guess it's more so that kind of communications and strategy, I guess really is what I I do. Um, And it just so happens that, you know, they are some of the services that we offer, but I certainly know what I'm looking for with connecting up artists with producers and setting up video shoots and photo shoots. Like I've done it for such a long time now mm-hmm. that like that's like the day job, I suppose. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. Great. And it's what's in store for 2022? For for the famous company or my predictions for the industry? Both. Okay, let's do the famous company first. <laughs> we are pivoting. We are going into the world of podcast production and promotion um, simply because um, podcasts have blown up over the last, say, five years uh-huh. and over the last year because we've all got two years because we've all got so much bloody time on our hands um, that we're becoming more invested in more podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um it's a no-brainer for us. There's elements of audio production in there. There's elements of creating visual production. We have um, a partnership with Spotify now, which is going to be amazing. Cool. So we're going to be offering video podcast production as opposed to just straight podcast production. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we worked hard to secure. Um, so 
keeping the music services there, but launching um, a podcast arm under a slightly different brand because we don't want to dilute the messaging of what we offer to the music industry. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be putting a podcast out under um, the brand of Digital Bulls, as in a male cow. Okay. <laughs> I can't say the word bull. It sounds like bull is in bull, bull. digital bull. 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 I need to. I need to do some lessons to learn how to do it. So that's what's happening with with with, with famous and, and 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 digital bulls. Um, see, I sound like a weirdo when I say it. Um, the music industry. We are going to go metaverse tastic this year. Um, all the labels are getting on this metaverse hype. Um, NFTs. There are so many artists now that are you know, looking at the NFT offering. We, for a while, have accepted payment for services via crypto, but it just wasn't very popular when we started offering it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we obviously have done that for a while. I think that we're going to see really unique ways of working. I think we're going to see, maybe this is a ba- good thing that's come out of the pandemic, but you and I, I feel are quite old school. You know, I used to be saying, I wish I was a manager in the 90s. You talking about that, you know, being in bands in, in the 90s and that hard graft and whatever. There's something really special, magical about that, that I think we're just about to lose potentially because we're going into this much more digital yeah, yeah. age, digital era now. Um, and I'm very sad that that's happening. But at the end of the day, if you're a dinosaur, you get left behind. And I think there are definitely, there are certain companies and managers that are going to get left behind because they're still in that very old school way of doing things. Yeah. But I think that, you know, definitely this year we're only in january and this nft world this metaverse world is blowing up in so many areas in the industry um and i think that it's only, and like the virtual online side of everything thank god the festivals have come back because i think if we hadn't been able to come out of the pandemic so much more stuff would have gone in the virtual way much quicker mm-hmm. um but i think now you know there are venues like Lost Horizons in Bristol, which are obviously the people behind Shangri-La, um, they're going to look to launch like a meta version of their club, so a digital version of their venue, so that you can be in the venue, but you can also not be in the venue, but you can still have the same experience. That's great, but I just hope that more of the industry kind of retains its kind of original offering and then expands it to offer more that we hopefully we won't yeah, yeah. completely switch it's it not shouldn't a like, be a like replacement it's no, a, it shouldn't it's be a, a binary to, yeah, yeah. yeah it shouldn't be a binary thing but i think if we can offer you know i if i don't go to glastonbury i love the bbc coverage of it and that's great but you know and we've always been able to offer those things in real time through traditional methods like tv but now to be able to offer a completely different version of that. I, I'm I'm open to it and I'm and I'm ready to embrace it. But I slightly feel like I don't want to go the whole hog with it because there's a lot to be said for being in a you know muddy field. Mm-hmm. And it's much the same way as with music as well. I think that if you've got there's physical, there's room for physical, there's room for streaming, yeah. there's room for digital. There's even though yeah. I'm not a fan, there's room for NFTs and things like that. And all yeah, that sort of are. stuff, and they all kind of work as a as 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 one yeah. thing together. But the, one 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 big machine. But yeah. the thing is, like, vinyl has become so much more popular over the last couple of years because I think that it, it's got such fond memories for lots of people and it's cool to own vinyl now but there was a period when you know people didn't even own a cd player for all the cds that they had and and obviously you know 
the old iPod, iPods don't work now. So everything has its time and then everything then I think has resurgence as well. If it's meant to resurge, it will resurge, yeah, won't yeah. it? Um, and I think NFTs at the moment, they're a bit scary to some people, they're exciting to other people um, and everything probably. We're in a decade of change, aren't we? We're, you know, we're two years, well, we're, we're one year and, and a bit into a decade of change and things are going to become, you know, interesting. Um, but I think we all as an industry need to embrace them and, and move with the times and, and, and not stick our heels in too much. Nice. Matt, thank cool. you so much for chatting to me today. No problem. Hopefully there was some wisdom in there. Massive thank you to Matt for chatting to me and all of his insight. Really, really interesting guy to talk to. Um, if you're interested in finding out more about the famous company, then do get in touch via their website, www.thefamouscompany.com. You can find them on Instagram at The Famous Co, on Twitter at The Famous Co, and on YouTube uh, via their channel, which is called The Famous Co. You can also find Matt himself on Twitter at mallantweet. Those of you who are Cornwall-based or want to know a little bit more about Cornwall, uh, he shouts about his home county there a lot, as well as all the other stuff that he's into. Uh, the music for the pod this year is by Bloompool. Search Bloompool on Spotify and listen to all of his stuff. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at bloom.pool and when you're searching on Instagram search for bloom slash pool get in touch with me uh, via a whole host of mediums uh, email behind the business pod at gmail.com uh, find me on Instagram at DC music publishing find me on Twitter at Danny champion and if you're interested in learning a bit more about the the publishing company uh, please go to www.dcmusicpublishing.co.uk to find out more uh, there's plenty more episodes to come this year so please follow uh, give the podcast a like a review tell somebody just one person uh, that you know who might like the content that i'm putting out it's really really helpful uh, and share the love um, if you get the chance uh, thank you very much indeed for listening and I will uh, be in your ear holes another time.